You're listening to Alcoholics Alive, where recovered members of Alcoholics Anonymous share their experience on how they live AA as a way of life. None of our participants get paid or speak for AA. Here are your hosts, Shank and Wayne. Welcome back to Alcoholics Alive. Where we're trying to uh, get back to just a, carrying a simple AA message and uh, believing that the message of Alcoholics Anonymous is outlined in our book, actually called Alcoholics Anonymous. But, but sometimes we need to remind people that Alcoholics Anonymous is actually a book. A book? Yeah. A book. I was at a meeting recently and the, the guy was closing it down and he's, he, uh, he said, <laughs> Now, listen, at this group, we don't offer toys and trinkets and plastic tokens. He says, what we offer is sponsorship and a book. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So I thought that was pretty good. Yep. yep. We got a, um, we've got a guest on today. We're excited about uh, having this, this guy on. Matt, how are you today? I'm well, thank you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. My name is Matt. I'm an alcoholic. Uh, been sober since December 21st, 2012. So I guess that makes me younger than Shank. I know we, we look for the record. Yeah. <laughs> Shank's an old timer today. Yeah, we got one, Shank. We got one. Um, you know, I, it's funny that we, we say that, though, because I never imagined myself being sober for like seven minutes, let alone seven days or 11 years and some. Mm -hmm. uh, it's surreal to me to hear that 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 people have stayed sober because I could never imagine it in my life. Um, you know, just just to kind of briefly give you a rundown of where I'm at. I don't need to qualify all that much, but I got here because one day I woke up and I realized that I couldn't continue to drink the way that I was drinking. I was going to die and I couldn't imagine living life without alcohol. Um, so I, I just came to a crossroads in my life where um, the people and, and the things that were around me as far as work, family, um, those things no longer mattered to me. It was, was alcohol was my higher power at that point in time. And uh, I realized that uh, I needed to make a change. I had, um, <clears throat> I had a lot of previous experiences with AA. Um, I probably started coming to AA um, in 1995 when I was uh, forced to do it the first time with, with the United States Navy. And uh, they issued me a, a warning and told me I needed to go. So I went and then, uh, you know, I bounced in and out of the program, identifying myself out, saying I didn't belong. I was I was not going to be like a loser who has 11 years of sobriety like those guys, those people. Life must be miserable. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I thought those people's lives must be miserable. Oh, my God, they're sitting in a for 11 years mm -hmm. and they're not cured. And um, I really didn't have any idea what what the program was about or or the people in the program. I just knew it was a bunch of old men sitting around smoking cigarettes, and that wasn't for me at the time. Um, so I uh, I bounced in and out as people got on my case. The government got on my case. The law enforcement got on my my case, and um, I bounced in and out of the program. I had a, a a joke about it because the big book that I have actually sat on the shelf beside my door, leaving my house. Um, every day for about 20 years before I actually picked it up and did anything with it. So um, just to give you an idea of, of how long it took me to 
to actually surrender to something, um, you know, surrender to the program. So yeah, it took me a long time to get here and, um, a lot of pain, you know, at the, at the end, it, I, I don't know what happened. I just woke up one day, like I said, um, it was a, a it was a couple days before Christmas and my daughter was like three. She was laying next to me in bed. And, um, I just had this, this thought that it's always going to be like this. I'm going to, I'm going to die by the time I'm 45. And, um, I couldn't continue to do it anymore. So I don't, you know, some people refer to that as a spiritual awakening, whatever you want to call it. But that was, that was the point in my life that I knew that it was different. And, um, I went to a rehabilitation center, um, and spent a couple of days, spent Christmas of 2012 in a rehab, which was a lot of fun. Um, I wouldn't suggest you try it, but if you have to, it is, it is a safe place to be. And, um, I, uh, I spent time with, with people and I went and it was a lucky for me, it was a, a AA based program and I was introduced to meetings and I thought, well, I'm here with no shoelaces. I'm here with no, no tie in my sweatpants. I guess I may as well go to a meeting. And um, I uh, I went and for the first time ever, um, like I said, I, I actually identified with the speaker that came. Um, he's still a guy that I know um, near my hometown now. And I see him every once in a while. And every time I see him, I make sure that I I say hello to him and, you know, tell him how much I appreciated the fact that he came in and spent his time and in his efforts to get there to to share his message with other alcoholics. So that's that's pretty much my woes of how I got here. I don't I don't spend much time on drunk log anymore. It's more so about recovery now for me. Cool. So Matt, then question for you. If you if you're in rehab on Christmas Day, does Santa, do they they have a fake Santa Claus that comes in and visits the client the patients or I'm I'm gonna have to tell you that I do not remember a lot about being in a rehabilitation <laughs> center. Uh, I I um, so the answer to that is I I don't think so. No, um, there was a guy in a white coat that came around a lot just checking me but I with Librium and Haldol. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I don't remember him wearing a red hat. <laughs> nice. Yeah. All right. Well, appreciate that. Thanks again for joining, Shank. What's our topic? All right, our topic today, Season 5, Episode 7, is Tradition 7. So Tradition 7, the long form, says the AA groups themselves ought to be fully supported by the voluntary contributions of their members. We think that each group should soon achieve this ideal, that any public solicitation of funds using the name of Alcoholics Anonymous is highly dangerous, whether by groups, clubs, hospitals, or other outside agencies, that acceptance of large gifts from any source or of contributions carrying any obligation, whatever, is unwise. Then, too, we view that much concern those AA treasuries, with which continue beyond prudent reserves, to accumulate funds for no stated AA purpose. Experience has often warned us that nothing can so surely destroy our spiritual heritage as futile disputes over property, money, and authority. Mm, mouthful. And the short form is every AA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. So my first questions, my first question for you all is, honestly, now, do I do all I can to help AA, my group, my central office, my GSO, remain self-supporting? Could I put a little more into the basket on behalf of the new guy who can't afford it yet? 
How generous was I when tanked in a bar room? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got to tell you, I love that one. Um, when I read it the first time, um, you know, my, my, my immediate thought was, um, you know, I, I never had, I, I never, I guess in early sobriety, like early, I never even questioned what I was doing, putting money in the basket. I just saw everybody else doing it. So I did it. Um, it, it, here where I'm at in, in, in Chesapeake, Norfolk area, you know, it was just a normal thing for us to do. And, um, I would always, whether it was quarters at the time, whatever I could figure out, I would, I would put in, you know, um, which is ironic because my entire life I spent my life, you know, thinking that people owed me and I needed more money and more everything. And, um, I was never very generous with anybody whatsoever, um and it just it, it was a never never a thought for me when i came into the program i was taught from from early on uh that it was that the program itself was self-supporting and that it it in order for it to be there we had to contribute um so it, it, thinking about it you know i was always selfish and self-centered worried about my money worried about how much i had um, you know, do I have enough to get what I want and all of those things? And, um, for some reason, um, after realizing that I was an alcoholic, I never even questioned putting a dollar in the basket. Like I, it never was even a second thought for me. I just did it. Um, I watched the people around me do it. And, um, and maybe it was a little bit of, um, I didn't want people to not see me, but maybe there was sure. a you know what I mean? Like, yeah. God, I, don't want, I don't want these people to see me not put a dollar in the basket. I can't be, you know, maybe it was a little ego driven back then. Um, it was a little self-serving to not have all those people judge me because I wasn't putting anything in the basket. Um, but, you know, it, it was it was one of those things where um, I knew when I got here and finally surrendered that that I had to to contribute to the program. Cause I, I mean, I had just spent some time in, in a rehab where it cost like four grand for me to stay there a couple nights, like, you know, a dollar for, for, for this is, is not a really big deal. Um, so I don't think for me, it was ever a question. Like I said, maybe in the beginning it was out of ego, but in the end it's, it's about the group as a whole. Yeah. When, um, the first, well, I guess seven or eight, nine months before I got sober, I tried, you know, getting sober in, in church and they would pass that plate, right? The offering <laughs> around. And I would be so self-conscious about people watching me. And, um, you know, I was more inclined to take money out of the plate instead of putting money in it. But I, <laughs> I would like, I would like, they'd had those envelopes in the back of the pews and I would just pick an envelope up and put it in there and act like I had money in it. So nobody, you know, I was, I was worried about what people were going to say about me yeah. and I'm not going to lie. When I first came to a and they started passing the back, I saw the basket. I kind of felt that same way. Like, man, what is this? And I was worried about what people who was watching me. And, um, but I was quickly kind of like you, Matt, you know, told that it, it was important to put money in the basket that we don't take outside contributions. We kind of pay our own way and was told that the, the, the act of putting money in, it was more important than the amount. And it was actually looking back on it. It was probably like, they probably like told me, Hey, 
you better put money in the basket. It was pretty direct now that I, now that I think about that. And, and I mean, through the years, I think I personally have, I've tried to, what well, not tried. I have always given money in the basket. I've always supported, um, even the local intergroup with, um, with money. And I have, I've sent, you know, the birthday gift contributions and things like that to, to GSO. I'm questioning a little bit of that now, but <laughs> in general, I have always, I guess, understood the importance of the seven tradition and of us paying our own way so that we don't have to accept outside so that we don't have to solicit any funds from outside. Now, the one question, Shank, how generous was I when tanked in a bar room? Not too generous. I'm not that guy that I just, number one, I couldn't stay in a bar room very long because mm -hmm. I would get, get into a fight with somebody or would do something dumb, you know, grab somebody else's girlfriend or wife and do something to them or steal. You know, I mean, I was just, I was just a hoodlum and I, I couldn't stay in there very long, but I'm not a guy who got drunk and said, man, give everybody one. And let's uh, no, I was stingy. I could do it if somebody else was paying. I would oh yeah. yeah. I would definitely offer up a round for everybody. If I knew that my buddy was paying or somebody sitting next to me. Sure. Heck yeah, I him. I'll take the credit though. Yeah. This is something that I don't know. I think I have a bit of trouble, confusion, not necessarily about tradition seven, but of experiences that I've had in my sobriety where um maybe I'm off track, maybe AA is off track. Uh but you know, when it comes to Honestly, do I do all that I can to help AA, my group, my central office, or my GSO remain self-supporting? Um, our central office, intergroup office around here, I've been involved in for a while. And um, I do feel like I was doing all I could to help AA and that it was being shot down. Um, that we were taking outside contributions and making money in ways that we shouldn't be. And then it's always just kind of like this response of, well, we're trusted servants, but then it's also like, oh, but we're not AA, but we are in the service structure. Well, we can do whatever we want. You know, it's kind of whatever answer feels convenient to, to stay within the bounds of the traditions. Um, so I think this is an interesting question to kind of think about. It, it is. And I mean, so specifically along the lines of what you're talking about. So I, I mean, I personally have stopped supporting our local intergroup because they are making money. I mean, they're, they're selling non a literature and they're, they've started selling, you know, that codependent books and substance abuse type stuff. And, um, the jewelry and all that. I mean, we're going to get some negative feedback for these comments. That's fine. Send them on. Um, so I, you know, I personally think that's outside of the kind of the spirit of the seventh tradition. And, and I know it's a hard line to take, but if the intergroup can't be self-supporting through the contributions of the groups, then maybe they shouldn't exist. Well, I think what I found very confusing um, for me 
in my personal experience is that when asked for a breakdown of exactly what we were selling and how much money it was making, how long it was sitting there, it was met with, no, I'm your yeah. trusted servant and you should trust that whatever is happening in here is what needs to happen. So um, the way that I've always been a member of AA is that transparency is key and yeah. that GSO doesn't hide. Um, our area doesn't hide. You know, I mean, if I have a question about something at our area level, you can email, call, you know, and they'll send you, you the information. An yeah. You know, so it's just been very interesting for me with the local uh, central office or inner group office where it is very hidden and it's just, no, I'm a trusted servant. We don't have to. We don't like that you're asking. Um, and this, these are things that I have said to the, the people that I was doing the service with. So. I am not afraid to say it um, in public. I've been wrong before in public, but I have talked to many people about this. So I encourage other people who have questions or who may not want to just go along with what um, the majority is saying to to do that yeah. um, because it is difficult. You, yeah, I can tell you I've never really, really trusted somebody who said, just trust me, especially an alcoholic. With <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's not. Yes. That's not, that's not the person I'm like, heck yeah, here's my wallet. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know how you guys were, but you know, the old analogy, I was the guy who would steal your wallet and hope you look for it. You know what I mean? Like, right. Oh, where'd you put it? You know, meanwhile, it's in my pocket. You know, um, I, I can tell you here, it's not much different here. Um, you know, the, the sure way to start an argument at a home group business meeting is start talking about giving contributions to the inner group and the GSO. And, you know, the, everybody has their their opinions of it. And I think you're right. I think it's very, very clear about where that money is supposed to go and what it's supposed to go for. And when people start adding ideologies and, and their own opinions into it, we get away from our primary purpose, right? Um, we start adding things that we think, and I say we, because I'm sure I've done it at some point. I have opinions, right? But I think that we start adding things to the program that are, are definitely outside the lines of what's in between the two covers of that big blue book. You know, it's, um, yeah. you know, your interpretation from something is different than mine. And I don't think anywhere along the lines, was it clear that we should be buying types of jewelry or or something, you know what I mean? The drop the rock or whatever, wherever you want to go with all of this, like, you know, and I throw that one out there because I've heard, you know, arguments on both sides of that. Um, I personally have never picked that book up, but, you know, I mean, yeah. I think we get off base of what our primary purpose is and, and it's, it gets confusing and muddied when you add people's personalities and financials to it. Absolutely. But I, but I think it's clear, right? Mm -hmm. It's pretty clear. Seems pretty clear. So our next question is, if GSO runs short of funds some year, wouldn't it be okay to let the government subsidize AA groups in hospitals and prisons? Mm. No. Mm. <laughs> That's a simple answer, huh? Yes. No. Nope. No, thank you. Yeah, I, I looked at that one um, when 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 I saw it, and um, obviously my opinion is no, one hundred percent. You know, we could break into a lot of opinions, but in in many times, you know, you you open yourself up to outside entities, and we wind up with a whole lot more opinions and stringent rules and 
Um, and I won't say the government, but I'll just say, let's say outside people from the program, there's one sure way to mess this up, and that's introduce other people into this program. People who are not alcoholics, people who have their own agendas. Um, you know, I will say that, and I won't tell you which one of these it is, but a couple of these that you just named have a hard time running themselves. So why would we ever introduce them into something that isn't broken? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, Shank, no. I mean, I think this is one that th there's history behind it. I mean, the tradition's a tradition because it's it's based on, you know, the experience of a lot of things that didn't work and some things that did work. And, you know, I think they, A, early on realized that it didn't need to accept money from outside organizations or accept handouts. Probably if it had been left up to Bill Wilson, we would have. <laughs> That's true. I think, I think they'd learned it more from non-AA members and, you know, f folks that were outside the organization that said, hey, money's going to ruin this, is, that this is based on spirituality. And, you know, you, you can't, accept money from outside organizations or outside sources because then they're going to want to have a say so in what you do and what you don't do. Well, um, you know, something that yeah. I find interesting is um, I have a hard enough time getting funds that are earmarked for a specific reason mm -hmm. in AA to use it for yeah. that purpose. And I like that it says in here, you know, we should not accumulate funds beyond prudent reserves for no stated AA purpose. Right. Because yeah. there have been times that there is a stated AA purpose of money that I've tried to get and use for that stated purpose and haven't been able to. And, yeah. you know, that too, to me, reminds me why these tra traditions are around, why I have a home group that participates in all three legacies um, and this is not me trying to like be like, I'm such a great AA, but I'm able to go to my home group and go to home group members. And um, my home group is one that if we ever wanted to do something and we didn't have the money, we could say at the business meeting, like, hey, guys, we want to do this service in our community and it would be no yeah. problem. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've been I've been in one group. I've been involved in some districts and in an intergroup where they accumulated money for no reason. Hmm. And they accumulated money beyond the prudent reserve. And yeah, just makes no sense. And as a matter of fact, I've even seen it where a district or an intergroup actually increased their prudent reserve so that they could keep more money. Exactly. Like, and no, that is no what purpose. ends up happening. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now I have seen, I have been involved in districts and intergroups that did the opposite, right? They, they operated, they had a, a, a legitimate prudent reserve and then they, they, they worked to give the rest of the money away or to provide services. So, I mean, I, I mean, it's, it works both ways, but, um, yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. I, I joined a group one time up in Ohio when I moved up there, they had eight, just, it was just a group. They had eight thousand dollars. Wow! Wow! And they're in a in a brown bag at the treasurer's house. This is no. I'm that not making this up. Uh, and I'm like, I, 
I, I started bringing it up and I'm like, Hey, we, we probably ought to maybe have an account at a bank and we probably ought to rotate treasures. This dude been the treasurer for ye forever. Mm -hmm. And so they all agreed to that. And, but then we came, came up to the debate about what to do with the money. And this kind of goes back to tradition five because they, there was a large portion of the group that wanted to like help members pay for their halfway house rent with mm. the money. I'm like, you can't do that mm -hmm. and all kinds of stuff. But anyway, we ended up giving the money to intergroup and the district and the area. But yeah, I mean, you start accumulating money for no reason. People get squirrely. And then if you well, got money that's designated and you're not letting people have it, I mean, that's, a, that's really just out of bounds for our traditions. And I, I like, you know, this last sentence experience has often warned us that nothing can so surely destroy our spiritual, our spiritual heritage as futile disputes over money, property and authority. And that's also been my experience. I mean, there's a service committee that I no longer participate in because it was such an argument over this earmarked money that was for a specific yeah. reason I wanted to use for that specific reason. And you know, you're allowed to make mistakes in AA, which I also think is beautiful. Um, but, you know, I tend to get worked up and I'm like, hey, this money is for a specific reason and you want to use it for something else. Like AA members have given this money for a specific reason and you're going to use it for something that, that it's not earmarked for. Yeah. Um, and so I can get uh, very hyped up about that and it's just not worth it to me. I need to not participate. And I need to talk to other people and get the money somewhere else. So it has definitely been my experience that I've been in futile disputes over money in AA. Yeah. It's just yeah. sitting there doing nothing. Yeah. All right. Hmm. What's the next question? Is it more important to get a big AA collection from a few people or a smaller collection in which more members participate? You know, I, I think for me, you know, um, looking at this, obviously my, my answer to this is going to be a smaller collection for more people. Um, it kind of, you know, it's funny. I was, I actually, uh, I don't know if you guys ever done this, but I, I read some of the brochures and pamphlets that are put out at meetings every once in a while. Like they, I actually picked a few up and read a couple. And um, one of the things that they were, one of the things that I noticed that they were talking about was, you know, he who, um, who pays, you know, makes the rules, you know, the, the he who has yeah. the gold rules. And, um, you know, when you, when you have one or two people who are, contributing the most money of course they're going to feel like they need to have the most say you know um it, it's no longer uh anonymous about who's who's given what money and how much it is it's now we're being supported by joe or whoever you know it's it's not about what's best for the group as a whole it's what's best for them um i think it's it's both human nature and just ego driven to get people to that point where they're, they are like, I'm, I'm giving the most money. I, you know, I think I should make the decision or I'm in charge of whatever institution it is, the, the inner group or whatever. I'm the one making the decisions, you know, which it sounds like sometimes that, well, it does happen. You know, I won't yeah. say sometimes does it does. Happen. It does. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you're holding the money you're wanting to pay for dinner. You know, I'm, I'm just along for the ride at that point. 
you know, you're, you're, you're the king. I'm just sitting at your table. Yeah. I, I think it's, um, I think it's definitely probably better for a smaller collection from more people. I think that's probably the spirit of the tradition. And certainly, I mean, many of us, when we get here, we're selfish with money or we're irresponsible at, you know, not, not everybody is, but, um, a lot of us, a lot of, of us are, um, or we're stingy. Maybe we're overly responsible. That was probably shank. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I was kind of in the middle, but I think the, the, the act of giving and getting into the, the habit of giving back a little bit is, you know, is it's, it's important for us yeah. to, to, to be a part of and to not feel like we're excluded or um, not participating. Here's an interesting, go ahead, go Shank. Ahead. Go ahead. Well, so I've often wondered, I mean, I've got my own thoughts about it, but the very first sentence of the long form, it says the groups themselves ought to be fully supported by the voluntary contributions of their own members. Mm. Right. So, I mean, it's very specific that AA should only be supported by its own members, but this like speaks specifically to a group mm -hmm. that it should only take money from the members of the group. If you take it literal, so should a group actually pass a basket and get money from everybody that's there? It, it's, it's, it's just a question. I mean, I, mm -hmm. it's interesting. Yeah. I might be taking it too literal. Well, and I have been to groups that say that, Hey, if you're not a member, don't give. Mm -hmm. It is interesting. I think it brings up a good point too. Um, Matt, when you were speaking about, you know, people donating the most or giving the most or whatever. Um, I don't use Venmo cash app, any of that, but it is interesting because um, you can see how much people are giving and who they're giving it to mm. on those apps. So I, I just, I was recently um, I'm helping a woman who got out of prison and she was asking me, I said, Hey, I don't use those. And she's just like, well, I mean, they can see who I'm giving money to, right? Like someone could potentially see that I'm giving money to this, you know, AA group and how much it is. And I mean, that's interesting. It just popped into my mind when you yeah. said that. You trolling yeah. Venmo, Shank, to see how much people are giving? I don't have Venmo, but I might download right. it now. You, you can turn that off, by the way. Yeah. The public, the public notifications. Yeah, like, but it's a, yeah. it's a very good point. It's, it is. Yeah. Um, I, I will tell you back on the other thought that Jerry was talking about, um, you know, I, I think, you know, I've seen my own home group where we we were, you know, during coming out of COVID, don't have a ton of money coming in. We have a very supportive church. We want to be able to give to the church still. And I've seen my group, you know, during a home group have the members you know, band together to to put something together for the church, even though it wasn't as much as what we normally gave to the church as a mm -hmm. donation. You know that, and I think that that's an interesting point that you bring up. You know, I think in in the in the true tradition of it, I think our group, you know, passes the basket. If you can, you can. If you can't, you can't. I get it. You know, um, but I think at the end of the day, your group is responsible solely for its its yeah. own its own, you know 
livelihood as far as, you know, what you're giving money to or what you're choosing to give money to. Yep. So, um, do you think that we should be giving more money? It's been a dollar for how long? Look at you go, Shank. That's that's a good one because uh, <laughs> <laughs> let me stutter over that one for myself. But um, I don't. You know what? I haven't. I don't limit myself to the dollar. I really don't. Um, I I do. Well, let me be stingy about this because I do probably at other people when I go to other meetings a dollar. Yeah. Um, yeah. But with, with my own home group, I I don't. You know what I mean? I don't do that. I I. You know, I buy the coffee. I don't, you know, I, I do, I buy our Zoom. I do all this stuff. I don't, I don't, I do more than a dollar is what I'm saying in my own home group. When I go away to another group or another meeting, I try to give, you know, and that and the other part is too, is if I have a five in my, my I'm not digging four ones out of there. You know what I mean? I just, I, I just haven't. The program's given too much to me to, you know, there's too many people that are here in these rooms that, that I I just believe in. I'm just going to give the five. I'm not going to dig out the other four dollars. So yeah, yeah I, I think you know customarily, you know the dollar. I think everybody just kind of gets hung up on that. You can't get free therapy for a dollar an hour, you know. And you know I've heard how about that for shrapnel. Huh? We can. That's that a good one. That is a good one. Add it to yep. the list. Yeah, I can't. I can't get it. Can't get therapy for a dollar. Um, so yeah, I think the dollar is a little outdated, but I think it's whatever people are comfortable, you know, I know, I know what I'm capable of and I'm sure that other people do too. Um, and if you're really doing the program, in my opinion, you're going to take care of your own home group and make sure that, that it's, you know, that's right. It's good to go. Yeah. Well, and you know, okay. I've been around a little longer than you. You're oh, an old timer. I knew Shake. it was coming. But, you got me by like a month, I think. Don't but, you? <laughs> well, they taught stuff in that month that they didn't teach after you got. <laughs> I, I knew I should have come in earlier. Yes. Um, but um, to my knowledge, to my experience, um, it doesn't seem to me like we are needing more money. It seems to me like in AA in general. Uh, we are coming up with reasons to do more things to spend more money versus mm -hmm. maybe paring it down to our primary purpose and not operating as on as much. Hey, and I've seen it in purpose? my I've seen it in my own home group where, you know, we we have more money than we thought because we're not supporting certain things anymore or certain things fall off or um, you know, we continue to increase the money that we give to the church or these things, but it's like, okay, well, what else can we do to spend this money? How can we help suffering alcoholics with this money? Not just like, well, let's give everyone a book. Let's have a banquet. Let's have an extra workshop and order Bojangles. It's nothing like that. Mm -hmm. um, and so what can we do? Oh, we can add another day of babysitting. So now that can help more alcoholics that have... So that have children come to the meeting twice a week or whatever. Is that my favorite thing? I don't have children. They're running around screaming, touching everything, snotting everywhere. Um, but I do believe that just, just because I don't utilize that service doesn't mean that we don't need it. Right. It's interesting that, I mean, it's one of the reasons why we don't need much money because if you really start thinking about it, I mean, 
what does more money do? I mean, what would you do with more money to help an alcoholic? I mean, it's, you're, I mean, you're kind of limited to what you actually can use money for to help a suffering alcoholic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, so you're, isn't it our responsibility as AA members to share our experience, which yeah. costs zero dollars? Costs zero dollars. Yeah. Yep. It's you know it's, it's just. I was just going to mention, Jerry, sorry, um, that that it's funny because Shank said all of those things, right? Like buy books, do more workshops, like, and we do all of those things, right? In in the hopes that we're going to reach more newcomers. So some of those things, you know, we, we sell those. But yeah, I mean, I would love to have the opportunity to have a conversation with, with folks and say, what more can we do? You know, what what more could put put give the opportunity for more people to come here? Um, I like I said, it's frustrating and I got a little fired up about it because I think too too often we get off of what our primary purpose is and it's very simplistic in its form. Like, you know, it's it, it, for me, it was me sitting with my sponsor going through the the book of Alcoholics Anonymous together. Like there was there was no need to have a hall for us to sit in. There was no need for us to have lights and all of this extra stuff that, you know, that 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 we're talking about. And and it was just primarily just one alcoholic, you know, helping another alcoholic. And, uh, you know, and what Jerry said, you know, that doesn't take millions of dollars for me to do that. You know, um, I think our founding members, you know, we're going to each other's houses. I host a meeting at my house on Sunday mornings for a bunch of guys. Like we, we do all kinds of things that don't, you know, that doesn't cost me a thing to do that, you know, and it, and it, it's, service work and reaching out and helping one another in a way that that not a lot of people talk about anymore it's about fellowship it's about the group of alcoholics anonymous as a whole you know hey i know what we could do with a lot of money we could we could spend six hundred thousand dollars on a grapevine app how about that that would be perfect (laughs) i would use i would use that never well, it helps you because you can count your days on it, how many days you've been sober, and there's a checklist oh. on there for your sobriety well-being. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I wouldn't keep up with that any other way. Thank God they've invented it. <laughs> oh, did I say oh, that? True. Oh, my goodness. Oh, let oh. me know when it hits. I want to download it immediately. Yep. Oh, man. <laughs> Shank, should we move on to meeting shrapnel? Meeting shrapnel. All right, are y'all ready? Yep, I'll send you the link to the to the app, Matt. You can download it today. I am so doing it. I need to keep track of my sobriety. But thank God I got a coin in my pocket. There you go. <laughs> there we go. What do you got, Shane? Meeting shopnel number one. Nobody gets here by mistake. Man, I love this one. I, when I read this, I almost laughed out loud. I absolutely, <laughs> I, I absolutely got here by mistake. Mm. It was yes. not supposed to happen. My God, it wasn't supposed to happen. You know, I had all these plans. It wasn't supposed to happen like this. I don't know. I, this, go ahead. I kind of think it makes it sound like everyone who arrives to AA needs to be an AA member and needs to get sober in AA. And that is the only way to do it which our literature tells us we don't have the monopoly on not drinking. So um, some people do get here by mistake, or maybe they get here 
and they don't stay sober or they come back 10 years from now or whatever their kid mom dad whomever was like oh that may work for me you know like i just think it's a it's a weird thing to say it's it's very weird it's an old saying it's been around forever to me though it it it's kind of implies that everybody that gets here is an alcoholic Mm -hmm. right i mean hey you're not here by mistake well not everybody that comes to alcoholics anonymous is alcoholic and even people that come here troubled or they're sent here for specific reasons they're not necessarily alcoholic nor do they need to be a member of alcoholics anonymous Mm -hmm. most of us do most people that come here do that's right but not not everybody nobody gets here by mistake so should it be I mean, no alcoholics get here by mistake? Is that should we add the word no alcoholics get here by mistake? Would that make it better? Maybe. Maybe, but I think but they still. But also, there are other programs for alcoholics. I mean, I do know some people that yeah. Yeah. have been a part of AA either for a short time or a long time, and then they end up just going to church. Now, yeah. I don't know what's going on deep within their soul, but maybe they're maybe they're just praising the Lord dance over through it i don't know they might be maybe yeah. it's yeah nobody gets here by mistake yeah do y'all want to keep it or scrap it it's out of here it's got to go <laughs> <laughs> all right he's taking your terms it's out of here i'm, I'm, I'm scrapping it yep. yep i've listened to this too many times i know what's up shank it's out it's, of here it's scrapped all right scrap it Okay, meeting shrapnel number two. I've got to balance the gifts the program has given me. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Go ahead, Jerry. (laughs) No, one of our previous guests said this. (laughs) We added it to the list. I yeah. probably shouldn't say that, but oh well. You know what's funny is um, my thought on this one when I saw it was um, I, I have no business balancing anything, let alone gifts that the program's given me. The thought of, and, and it's funny because I, I hear um, a lot like with the guys that I work with and stuff, they, they tell me, man, I just got to figure out how to balance my AA in personal life. Like I got to do all the, and it's it's funny and ironic to me that, that anybody who who is hanging out with me um has this thought that they have the ability to balance anything let alone the gifts that the program's given me um you know because i've i i you know gifts or whatever you want to call it i've gotten my life back as a result of alcoholics anonymous right um i guess that you call it a gift whatever you want to call it that's but the ability for me to balance that is is crazy um you know me me leaning into um a power greater than myself and having trust in something greater than myself like that to me that's that that's what balance is about for me i can't balance the gifts of this program like i have no business balancing anything not even a, not even my own checkbook i'm horrible at that let alone balancing the gifts <laughs> that... so yeah this one's interesting i'd love to hear what you guys have to say well typically if you if somebody says they're looking for balance they're they're just trying to get out of something mm. and it seems to me like it's just an excuse to to, to do less mm-hmm. um 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I, um, I've never tried to balance anything. Yeah, I think. Well, what gifts does the program give me? The gift of sobriety? The gift of (laughs) desperation to get sober? The gift of. I don't know. You ever heard anybody say this? Character defects? Yeah. When I've heard people talk about the balance, like I said, I've heard more about, like, I got to balance my AA program with my personal life so that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing both and it. And it's funny because in, to me, that's just you taking back your will over everything. Like to think that you could balance something is like, I've got this. I'm taking yep. control of this now. And yep. and that's never got me anywhere, but, but in a really tough spot or, or, um, you know, in enough pain or fearful enough that I need to do something different. Like control, that's that thought of control and balance in my life is just, it's not for me to do, in my opinion. It's a little dangerous for. It is. Yeah, for an alcoholic, for sure. Mm-hmm. Just get you some balance, Shank. I don't know. Like, I just think it's interesting when I, when I've heard sentiments similar to this. It'll be like, oh, I can't go to the Friday night meeting because you know AA gave me my family back and I need to spend time with them, which is great. Okay, but if I can't go to the meeting on Friday night that I usually go to once a month because I have something else come up, I just say, oh, hey, I'll be out of town. Right. You know, or like, oh, I'm not going to make it. Mm, I I don't really want to go. I don't really want to hear that speaker. Not in the mood. You know, like I don't have to have some kind of excuse. Yeah. Um, Balance, I don't know. All I know is that sometimes I have 10 women that I'm helping sometimes zero of them are doing anything is it about balance no if all 10 of those people are trying to do stuff and work steps and i'll go meet with them and any hour i have during the day that's just what i've been taught it doesn't mean that i i'm not doing other things it means that i plan those things first yeah i don't know sounds like it's an open door for me to tell some lies if i'm trying to yeah you know what i mean like yes i'm trying to manipulate things i'm trying to lie about stuff i'm not love to help you but i gotta balance the gifts the problems given me that's exactly right there it is you know i don't know oh that's it yeah that's it so you're balancing your uh your love i would love to go to the prison meeting on mondays from eight to ten o'clock but i have to balance the gifts the program's given me sound like a load to me you know Mm-hmm. Sounds like a lot of BS, I think. Mm. Well, Matt, what are you going to do with this one? Keep or scrap? Oh, it's got, I don't think I'm keeping this one. No, thanks. Too much All control. Right. I'm out. All right. How about I'm you? Scrap it. I'm scrapping. It's it. out of here. Let's scrap. Right. And our meeting shrapnel number three <laughs> is because of you people and the rooms. Mm. <laughs> <This> one... <laughs> Go ahead, Jerry. I can tell. You're ready. Huh? This Go one ahead. just crack. It just cracks me up. Yeah. I can't I, be I mean, sure, I, the... but I would be willing to bet that at some point during my sobriety, I have said something similar to this or this exactly. Like when I came into the rooms of AA, right. I don't. I typically don't think I just say like, "I'm in the rooms." I could have said it before, but that just that just sounds yeah. weird to me. 
Sounds like a cult to me, honestly. Yeah, I, it's. I may ahead. have used this with, with the intent of gratitude, like yeah, being thankful. Yeah, I had a room and and fellowship. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't know that I use the exact words because of you people in the rooms, but <laughs> I, I think that I may have um, maybe coined my own or or stolen from somebody else something similar to it that that basically for me meant that I was thankful that there were people that I could talk with, meet with, you know what I mean? Like, you know, but, um, yeah, I've never, I've never used it in the form that you have it on here. So it's an interesting one. When I was in, I believe it was Vermont, but I was somewhere not very close to where I got sober. And it's almost like they would say the rooms as some people where I got sober would say, are you a friend of Bill's? Mm. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's right. They do. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It drives me crazy. It, mm-hmm. It's, yeah. They will they say the rooms. And I, a long time ago, I was at this store and this guy was behind the counter. And I don't remember what I was buying, but I bought something and we were talking and I must have said something because I, it was, he, he kind of leaned over the counter and he said, Hey, are you in the rooms? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, I knew exactly what he was talking about, but yeah. I kind of look, I kind of looked around like this and I'm like, I think we are in a room, Craig. <laughs> and, but you'll, AA is not a room. It is, it's just, I, but that is a very traditional word now, or colloquialism, I guess, in Alcoholics Anonymous. I mean, it's just, it's referred, they use it for everything. Even GSO even uses it in some of their literature, and it's it's all over the grapevine. Does the it rooms. stem from, it, like, some kind of, quote, anonymity issue? What well, maybe, but it, to me, it, I don't know what the... the um, the origin of it is or where it started but it just minimizes it cheapens the message yes to me yeah 100 and so f- f- quick funny story or we might have a little time so the, you know these the the safety card that gso puts out yes when they put the first safety card out it actually had that term in it the rooms <laughs> and it said something about if you're in the rooms you know don't don't touch your neighbor or something like that and so I actually wrote, I, I got, I contacted our delegate and I actually sent a note to the literature desk and asked them if they would change it, that this, there are groups that don't meet in rooms. There are groups Mm -hmm. that meet outside. They meet in shelters. There's Mm -hmm. a group that meets in an igloo. Um, there's groups that meet on the beach Mm -hmm. and I was like, this is a misnomer and they actually changed it. You heard it here first. because of jay wayne it is that's right it has since been changed again but they did take that term out Mm -hmm. um and then sometimes you you, you'll hear people because of you people i'm sober today Mm -hmm. because of the rooms of aa and you people i've Mm -hmm. not had to raise my hand to or you know to with a glass of wine and it's just it's just weird to me a newcomer sitting in there hearing somebody talking about you people i mean what what the hell does that mean mm-hmm. well when you say it you know when i first read it 
a thought of gratitude and maybe that's from where I'm at in my sobriety. I, I'm not real sure, but now that I look at it and I read it over again, like you look at it and it's it's actually a pretty derogatory sounding statement. Yeah. It's it's not it's not trying to be an, you know, keep people's anonymity at bay. It is basically saying you people like that's derogatory. It's like it's like you're it's a nasty. Are we a nasty group? I mean, I granted we're in the basement and always in the back of the church somehow. But I mean, <laughs> I'm proud of who I am in the program. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And and that that that's where I kind of I, I fall off on this one because I've, I've worked hard in the program to get where I'm at, and I'm and I have a lot of gratitude. I'm a proud member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Like. I don't just walk around breaking in my anonymity to everybody. But if somebody asks me how I got sober, I'm I'm not going to say because of the rooms, like that's yeah, just. That, but that's what people say, or you yeah, people. I can't, I can't do it, not because of you people. You know, like that's. I will say too, though, with some of these little uh, phrases, I definitely just repeated them because a lot of people around me were saying them. Yeah. You know, and I would be like, like, um, I think we talked about in episode five or six of um a sponsorship tree you know and i would be like i would tell old sponsees or whomever women i'm helping i would say oh that's your grand sponsor oh that's your great grand sponsor you know like i would do things like that because i heard other people doing it and i just thought that that was like this cool part of aa that i wanted to be that i was like in yeah yeah there's probably nothing wrong with any of that but it's just it's 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 goofy do y'all want to keep it or scrap It, it Well, because of you people. Yeah. And you because of the rooms. Yeah. I think uh, scrap. May, I think you're right, though. It does come from a place of gratitude when people say it. Yeah. I think so. I think yeah. the intentions are, are well, but I, but I don't. Just derogatory, I think, at the end. Yeah. Yeah. And the reality is you're not sober because of all those people. No human power. No, it's yeah. because of it's because of, yeah. of the steps and God and and maybe a sponsor helped facilitate that. But I mean, it, yeah, it takes not dependent on. Yeah, yeah, it takes I'm, away I'm, from I'm, where where it actually came from. You know, I'm, power I'm greater scrapping. Than I'm scrapping. Scrap it. Shank. It's out of here. All right. All right. We are uh, we're on a roll with. Uh, scrapping stuff this season i'll tell you be interesting to see if anything actually makes it through doubtful matt we appreciate you coming on and being with us i appreciate y'all having me i had a good time with it was it was fun to be with people who love being sober (laughs) yeah yeah we do uh appreciate your uh your experience and insights into into tradition seven and uh, if you're out there listening Send us a note if you got comments or suggestions. Like us on one of our uh, social media platforms. Maybe uh, share the podcast with somebody else. And uh, remember, because of the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, as outlined in the book, Alcoholics Anonymous, we're free tonight. Freedom. Thanks for listening. If you have a comment, suggestion, or just need help, you can email Shank and Wayne at freedom at alcoholicsalive.com. Remember, we're recovered members of Alcoholics Anonymous, but we do not speak for Alcoholics Anonymous, nor do we get paid. Join us next week for another great episode.